0: Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to
1: live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, Fury crew. Welcome to episode 83 of the Coach Fury Podcast. Today's guest is Jen Bullock. Jen is the person who introduced me to the world of Mark Fisher and Mark Fisher Fitness, so I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation uh, Jen brings a unique perspective to her role as the fitness manager, fitness director of Mark Fisher Fitness. And let's talk about some stuff going on in the world of Fury. So the big thing is this, coming up in two weeks is Biting Back, Art for a Good Pause, the 2019 art show that former guest and my wife, Kim Hollander and our friends are putting on. It's happening May 3rd through the 5th at A-Bar in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, uh, all money, Of art sold, merch sold, pins sold is going to go to Second Chance Animal Rescue. So that is May 3rd through the 5th at A-Bar. Visit BitingBackNYC.com for all the info. If you're interested in Fury Industries and what's been going on in my world following me on social media, you'll know that on May 6th, the Monday after the art show, the class program, the small group training program, a modified updated version of what we've been doing here in the living room of strength, is moving to Brooklyn Center Stage Dance Studio on 11th Street and 3rd Avenue. Really excited for this move. If you wanna save $25 off your first month, hit me up now. And then let's talk about some courses that are coming up. June 9th, Original Strength at MFF Bowery. June 15th, Original Strength at MSE Strength in um, Weymouth, Massachusetts. And then July 20th and the 21st, DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training Certifications, Level One and Level Two at Momentum Fitness. August 18th, the HKC is coming back to New York, and then there's a lot of stuff happening past that. But the big ones for uh, this round. Let's talk about that art show. Let's see. I hope to see you there. I'll be emceeing that event. Lots of great raffles as well. And then let me see you at Original Strength, June 9th or June 15th. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy this episode. So when, when Kim and I were finally going to get another dog, when Kim and I started going out, I had joint custody of my French bulldog, Marty Feldman, and she had a, a bulldog, an English bulldog named Mason. And Marty lived a good old age, but had a lot of the health issues, uh, allergies, breathing things. He had to have two breathing uh, surgeries to open up his pathways. And then Mason had a lot of other uh, bulldog issues and, and ultimately died young on a walk. Like He overheated and, and died like, on a walk. Uh, only at four. Yesterday was actually like his fifth year anniversary since his passing. So when we were finally feeling ready to get another dog, we're like, we're just going to go to a rescue. We're going to find a mutt. It's going to have any of these specialty problems. And we come across Ramona, the most anxious dog either of us have ever owned. Oh my God. But like, other than that, she loved to race super fast, wasn't the greatest around other dogs. Um, we were spending money on training. She's super smart. Um, And then she starts limping one day, like, I don't know, two and a half, three years ago. And they're like, oh, yeah, pit bulls have really bad, tend to have really bad hips. (laughs) Great. Why didn't I Google that? (laughs) And then like two years ago or a year and a half ago, she was limping really bad. And they're like, well, rest her, but you'll probably need hip surgery. And they gave us this bill that was like estimate that was like over $10,000. And I was like, we'll try to hold off. And then it got to the point we couldn't hold off we found a new surgeon out in Long Island um, who is great through uh, second chance animal rescue referred us to him Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: gave us like a different type of surgery. That's actually a safer in the long haul. It's not exactly the same result, but they literally, it's the weirdest thing. So they take the the top of the femur bone Mm -hmm. and literally cut the ball off. Right. And to create space so that there's now a gap between the hip capsule and there. Because that was like what was grinding into her hip socket, causing all the pain. And then I guess because they're uh, quadrupeds, you can't work on humans over time, the movement there creates like the scar tissue creates a false capsule. Oh, wow. So that she's supposed to be great. Again, humans can't. We would just collapse on the one side, right? The bone would fucking, the leg would go up into our armpit. (laughs) But (laughs) that would be gross. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm so because of but because of that because of that all the compensation she she wore out her acl at the same time so it's crazy but it was like it's a pretty chunk uh, chunk pretty good chunk of change um some people donated like hollis and banal from mff donated some money my name did you don- have a GoFundMe? we did it to a GoFundMe. i gotta be honest and, and and kim and i both felt weird some people just started offering like when can how can i give you money for ramona like Some of the Fury crew is like, where can I give money? And they just started like basically uh, either Venmoing Kim or PayPaling me. Ah. I have a weird thing with GoFundMe where I really believe in it, but I I feel like it should be for really important things.
0: I hear you.
1: Right? Like if something were wrong with Kim or Ben and Sadie or myself, you know, clearly what happened with Landon, you know, like I I view those as like GoFundMes, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, like, yeah, is it gonna put us in debt for the short term? Yeah, but is it like a life ending finance? No. Right. So when we posted about what was happening, it was like one of the first times, I don't really put up like prayers and positive vibe type posts, but like we were really afraid that she wasn't gonna pull through.
0: Right.
1: And some people like it. and so we, we some people asked through that, we asked if anybody wants to donate money, you can message us. And um, I had randomly been working on a rebrand of Fury Industries and potentially changing the name. Uh, Details to be announced at a later episode. I can't talk about it yet. I can talk about it offline though, but I really can't talk about it online yet. Um, (laughs) I was hoping to announce soon, folks, stay tuned for every episode of the podcast until I I say it. But so I I just wanted to try Fiverr. I don't know about you and and an MFF, like I, I try to do so much on my own or rely on Kim who's great at graphics that things just go slower. Like I don't know how to use certain programs and she's really busy, she's doing an, uh, an art show that's a benefit for Second Chance Rescue. So I went on Fiverr, do you know what Fiverr is? I've
2: heard of it but I don't really know much so about it.
1: Fiverr is like a freelance website where you can have you can see portfolios of artists and web designers and whatnot and you can see price ranges. So if you want somebody cheap that's probably new, you can spend a little money and you'll probably get what you paid for. And I just wanted to see somebody try to a redesign on, a look, on an idea. Or not even a redesign. Just throw me a design on an idea, and they did an awesome job. It was uh, we we dubbed ourselves the Speakeasy of Strength because we trained in the living room. Like you needed to know somebody to come in here.
0: Right. So
1: one of the names I've been toying around with is Speakeasy Strength as like a new company name for when we go outside of the living room.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: uh, I wanted a picture of Ramona, and I wanted like a vintage sort of speakeasy vibe font. Spent a hundred and five bucks, and this woman over a week did a really great job. No so way. when it was time to, like, oh, maybe we could raise some money, I made some Teespring shirts that say mm-hmm. Speakeasy Strength with the picture of Ramona and all the profits, which is about, like, 10 bucks a shirt, maybe 11 bucks a shirt, goes to Ramona's hip surgery. Oh, my so God. Thank you to everybody um, that's donated or bought a shirt. We raised got about, got like,
0: shirt. what was that? I got a shirt.
1: Hey, the link will be on the show notes here. I'll message it to you. Thank you. Uh, we raised probably around 700 bucks
0: really yeah that's sweet
1: yeah plus there's a lot of people running around with a shirt with ramona on it linking to a gym that doesn't exist
2: <laughs> a yet a gym. well adjusts. that
1: one i don't know i with however lamely mysterious i'm being about the company it probably will not end up named speakeasy strength um although it also will likely not be fury industries because nobody on the outside world will know what the hell that means (laughs) (laughs) it's like having fitness or something in the titles very beneficial
2: it is yeah (laughs) strong fit something
1: yeah um hey everybody listeners you you've been listening to jen bullock who i met as jen frankel and fury uh catching up (laughs) yeah Jen is a very important person in my life who I give credit to for one of the most positive changes in my personal and professional life. And that is, I had never heard of Mark Fisher Fitness until I met Jen and Adrian. And I always, I think I butcher Adrian, how she pronounces her last name. Is it
2: Kuvian at the time? I want to say Kuvian, yeah.
1: Okay. She uses a different, um, I think it's like, she uses a different stage name, I think, on her Instagram yeah. now.
0: Adrian Adrian Um, James? Is it Adrian or
1: even Adriana James? Something like that, right? Adriana
0: James or something,
1: yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk about this. Uh, I love having talking to people talking about me. Uh, (laughs) Explain to the listeners how we met.
2: We met at an HKC certification back in 2013, was it, or 2012?
1: 2013? I think... It was, 2000, oh, man, that's a hard one to gauge. It had to have been, two thir- it was 2013. Yeah. It was right as the split had happened because, well, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, sorry. You had reached out to me about signing up for an RKC, and we were having those conversations whether it was going to be the RKC or Strong First. Yeah. Uh, because at the time, I was doing work for both.
2: Yes. Right. That's right. The Split. Um, yeah, we met at an HKC certification. Um <laughs> I wasn't a huge fan of the individual leading the cert, although I still, I do like him. I know you're you're a fan. I wasn't as big of a fan. And I was then there with like, you were helping him. And I was like, who's this cool guy that's like, just like, chillaxing back here, like throwing down with like knowledge bombs and like giving us like great cues and helping us get through this certification. So both um Adriana and I were there together and we went to lunch and we're like, you know, the assistant's like way better than the guy that's leading the course. I think, were you assisting? You were assisting, right? I, I was
1: assisting and it was actually very last moment. Um, <laughs> I do, I am very good friends with the, the, the person who led that. Uh, it was my first time meeting him uh, as well. Basically for that course, I was assigned to assist at a primal move workshop at Five Points Academy. I was teaching there at the time. And then like this teacher posted up like an emergency email. I don't know if it was an email or a Facebook post that they needed an assistant. Uh, his wife was supposed to assist, but there was like a medical thing that happened really quickly and he needed somebody to cover. And because of the error of the time around the split, um, people weren't jumping to help out. And I'm like, look, fucking politics be damned. Like someone's got to help this guy out. So I had heard the, uh, uh, of his name. Uh, I wanted to meet him. At this point, I think team leader was actually on the table for me. Mm, um, within the RKC, so, yeah. and I, I yeah. wasn't sure I was going to take it, so it was like an opportunity to meet one of the local, you know, uh, master instructors. And uh, so, yeah, it was more about helping out and meeting people than than like I, it was very short. I think I think I knew like two days beforehand that I was going to be there.
2: Yeah, well, that's how. Yeah, that was our first intro, and it yeah. made the cert way more fun. And then afterwards, Adriana and I were talking because we were like, we want to do the, we definitely want to get RKC certified. Uh, we should get um, private training with the guy that was the better <laughs> two, so that we can try to make it to our uh, to get certified. So that's how we like contacted you, and then our friendship ensued from there.
1: That was a, a good cert too. If I correct me if I'm wrong. Was Miguel at that one? Yeah. Right. What a weird world that like Miguel um, Alomar would also end up as an MFF staffer, completely unrelated. And Miguel's one of these cats that I love that entered my life in various ways would show up or check in with me. Like even if we didn't train together for a year, he'd be like, hey, just want you to know this is what's going on. I still want to train with you. Like he would check in he'd do a session every now and then. And it was one of his names. I think I'd already left. MFF, but his name showed up in the tier um, applications, and I was like, Yo, Harold Miguel, yeah. um, not even realizing sort of the nutrition genius that he is. Um, yeah, it, so uh, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. So, you both came and started training with me, and then you started talking about this dude, Mark Fisher and Brian Patrick Murphy. I remember you specifically talking about that and hearing things about like making references to come on the walls and stuff like that. <laughs> and, and you were basically like, you, should, you and Mark would really hit it off. You should meet and go do workshops. Um, I was very ride or die Five Points Academy at the time um, and wasn't thinking of going anywhere. Um, we still haven't gotten that RKC, have we? <laughs> I
2: had an injury. I had all kinds of life things happening you have had
1: uh, many life things and many life successes since
2: yes, I've had some life things occur that kind of stood in the way, and then it became like just not the focus of where of where I was it like other things just overtook. I mean, I'd still would dream one day to be to get my RKC or s f g cert, um but yeah, there was a lot of other things that all of a sudden like just took over the picture
1: yeah and as 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 life does intervene that way yeah um but that said i did take your advice and i went and i met with mark had a great conversation but what i didn't realize was he was actually kind of interviewing me to go staff there and at the time i really was not interested um i wanted to do a workshop so i set up a workshop to do uh, a get up and snatch workshop which is where i met a bunch of the ninjas and some of the team for the first time and uh taught that with Hannah Fons, She came mm-hmm. along and helped out. And then there was this weird moment. I forgot who they hired instead of me. I, I don't know if, it might've been Eastace, because I think it was either Eastace or maybe Liz. Um, they like, hired, it was Liz, right? Yeah. So, you know, they, it was like, I, before I even got to answer, they had hired somebody else, but I, I wouldn't have been shocked at all, because I think I was pretty much like, I just want to do a workshop.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I was coming back from an Albany. My famous thing that got me to MFF was my nervous breakdown of the original strength course in Albany, where I had this amazing experience co-teaching with Tim Anderson. Um, You know, we had a pretty good size workshop and just feeling like on top of the world. And then as I'm coming home on the train, I'm getting all these canceled sessions and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to pay the fucking rent or my child support this week (laughs) because like all these, and I'm like, I just can't continue to do this. And the other part of that was also I felt like I was getting stuck in sort of a little bit of like a a, a kettlebell like-minded rut.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I wanted
1: to be around some people that weren't necessarily – I mean, the, the crew there had more experience on other avenues, but we were very much like we're going to barbell train. We're going to follow Pavel-style, hard-style stuff. We're going to FMS. And, you know, the DVRT was clearly a part of it, but I wasn't really ex- exposed to like Boyle folks or – or Cressy folks. And, uh, I really wanted to get more out of that. Yeah. So, um, I, that remember was,
2: that. I remember that conversation really well.
1: It was those two things. And I remember teaching that workshop with Hannah that I was blown away at how friendly everybody was and how bold they were to try stuff. Cause the workshop was supposed to be like sharpening your snatch and your get up. And like for most everybody, but the coaches that went through, it was like their first time going through it. Wow and, uh, and they didn 't crush themselves, so it was like a really cool experience overall and then, on that train ride home, I think it might have been actually on the on the train pretty sure it was actually from the train. I emailed Mark I, I basically on one notebook, I started writing a business model for me and a friend to open a place, somehow get money up, and try to open a place, literally working out class rates and whatnot and then on the other one, uh, was an email to Mark about like, hey, and <laughs> Mark got back to me saying. Well, we should talk. I don't, I don't think we're going to have anything until like September. And I want to say this was in like April.
0: Oh, wow. This was
1: in like late, late April. He's like, I don't think we're going to have anything in September, but let's talk. And then we spoke and then it was like, hey, how soon can you come in? <laughs>
2: there was an opening.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, there was an opening and it was really scary. I was so scared starting an MFF.
2: I could not totally understand that when you're going, when you're used to being on your own and doing your thing and like five points and like you're just used to one specific style of training and to like make a shift into a very structured program would be kind of like, whoa, what, what's going on?
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you took a class with me at, at, at five points. Like I would wing it, like not recklessly wing it, but we never knew who was coming in. We didn't work off a of timers.
2: Well, that's the thing that I appreciated so much about the class is the winging it aspect, because that means that you can customize it to whoever who's there, you know, to the strengths of the people that you see versus like, well, I'm going to come up with it. You know, like, I'm not saying like just throwing caution in the wind, but sometimes you come up with this plan of these things you want to do. And then in walks, like. You know, eight brand new people that have never touched a kettlebell before, and it's like, well, I'm going to take that and now throw it in the trash, and we're going to start <laughs> over. So,
1: it was definitely an invaluable experience to me, and um, certainly makes it way easier to find stuff to modify, mm-hmm. um, even when we're working on a very structured class like we would at um at MFF. And it's it's yeah. interesting now, as as I just sort of started playing with evolutions of, you know, classes here at Fury Industries were not dissimilar because you know we're still using a timer but now i have indian clubs i have sandbags it's a heavier emphasis of os and clearly the kettlebell stuff um so it's like a hundred percent me within that mix as opposed to you know trying to fit the MFFness in it Mm -hmm. uh but now i've opened it up again where it is way uh, less structured way more run your race within blocks of time
0: that's awesome
1: yeah. yeah um so thank you. I mean, it's so crazy though. Like the, the MFF thing was not only like a professional game changer. Like I do think I'm a better human being for my time there. Not that five points was making me a bad human being, but I just wasn't addressing uh, outside of getting better as a trainer and stronger. I wasn't addressing the emotional side of my shit
0: oh, yeah. Um,
1: the way I, I did at, uh, at MFF. And, I, and to some degree that's carried with me. And to some degree I've also pruned off some of it intentionally
2: <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's it, it you take the best pieces with you you know in everything in life you know some things like help you grow and other things you learn from you know you learn to kind of leave on the mat the proverbial mat but yeah mff has, has been responsible for a huge portion of growth in my life too so i've always been grateful for it
1: well what's it feel like so not only are you back so jen jen had moved to kansas city for work Um, and it was awesome enough to bring me out to actually teach an HKC and a DVRT cert while she was out there, and and Wheels happened to be out there at the time. Um, And Kansas City was, again, the winters are something else, but was a surprisingly rad town. Like, I had so low expectations. Sorry, Kansas folks. Like, I just didn't know what I was getting into. I figured it was going to be, like, a pretty boring town, like, just some small downtown area and and in and out. And that area that the gym was at, had this amazing sort of center yeah. where there's like live music playing and you can walk around and go to bars it was pretty rad.
2: Yeah the KC live block like their downtown is like bustling you know they have progressive thinkers they have art they have culture they have cool restaurants the last time I was in Kansas City was probably like 15 years before that and they literally had like a tumbleweed blowing down <laughs> the main street. Like, there was nobody there there was nothing there. there was one bar and um now it's just like it's you know really finding its own as like a true like city it's impressive
1: Dan, yeah. and there was scott lofquist who assisted me at that course at your place has his crossfit gym and he brought me out the next year to do an rkc at his place in overland park yeah I remember and he that. took me to a downtown area like a more like brooklyn uh, i I'm, I'm forgetting the specific i don't know if it was overland park but it was nearby that was really cool
2: that must huh. have been, um, yeah. This is the name is escaping me. Oh my gosh, I've been gone long enough. But there is like a warehouse-y kind of area. Yeah,
1: there was tons yeah. of barbecue spots. There was a cool little toy West store. Bottom.
2: It's called the West Bottoms.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's very, uh, cool. very cool. In Film Nerd Land, Kansas City at your course was the first time I actually witnessed an Alamo uh, Alamo Draft House.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah,
1: yeah, which I would later, now is my favorite movie theater in the world in Brooklyn. Um, yeah. But there was one like two blocks from the hotel you put me up at that.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So you're back in New York City. You're back, <laughs> what brought you back to MFF? You're back at MFF, but in a different capacity. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I talked a little bit, Jen and I, were before we started the show, we have not been good friends to each other. We haven't hung out in a long time. Pathetic. It's really one of the weird things with this podcast is like, it, it's sort of like, we would have chatted anyway eventually, but it, it's a good impetus to catch up.
0: Like yes, <laughs> we were tra-
1: we were talking a little bit back and forth, trying to find ways to make trainer life fit with having a kid. You have your daughter Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and if how did it end up bringing you back to MFF, and what's your new role there?
2: Um, it was actually really kind of incredible how the whole thing happened. I mean, I had been living, you know, we moved from Kansas City to New York just because. I just as much as I love Casey it wasn't home and i wanted I was born and raised in New York, wanted to be closer to my family um, and wanted to be closer to my husband's family who's also on the East Coast but down in North Carolina, so we just wanted to move back east um, and I had been working here in fitness for crunch uh, I worked for that gym for many years and always uh, loved my time there but it was very like piecemeal it just wasn't like a you know consistent schedule and Brooklyn was now getting to an age where she was old enough to like be in school and like going to like you know programs and stuff so I literally like thought about enrolling her in preschool and I swear it was either the same day or the next day boop, there's in my inbox from Mark saying hey uh, we're we're potentially looking to you know have this position Gauging your interest, we would love to chat, and from there it went to like I responded right away, like oh my gosh, yes, this is incredible, what incredible timing. Then it led to an interview and another interview and just like a powwow and boom, uh, that's basically how the whole thing happened. It was me just like be, needing to like you know get back into the workforce after being basically like a full time mom for two, two years. So yeah, it was just incredible timing, and now I'm back as fitness director. Uh, an MFF, which means that I'm in charge of the personal training team. I help with growth of the business. Um, I, you know, just am like a liaison for customer service for the ninjas. Um, just try to have like my hand on a lot of pots in the business, just to help out in any way that I can, to grow it, to make it better, to support, to like, you know, help our trainers, help everybody.
1: Answer this if you're comfortable answering this, because yeah. I didn't think of this beforehand. So we had talked about some of like you know the the pros and cons of while you were out in Kansas City, mm-hmm. and I'd imagine it that you that gym that you were at was a huge, beautiful facility, like very different. Not that MF's not beautiful in its own way, but like uh, what you would uh, folks, if you think of like a high-end, big box gym screening rooms. I remember like Lord of the Rings was playing in the in the spin bike screening room that there was a lot of like corporate red tape on that. Right. Versus I would imagine having your hands, um, in so many different aspects. Uh, there's probably a lot of more interpersonal red tape at MFF. Are you finding that to be so like, what, what are you finding to be sort of the bigger struggle in the context? Cause that, that fitness director role, I feel like has evolved a bit over time where it used to be sort of, uh, nondescript jeff and kyle one covering classes one covering semi-private training and then i think that turned into laura had it some sort of version of it um what are you finding is like the one of the more interesting things and then also how does it differ from being a fitness director or manager at the other place
2: that's such a great question um you know when you're in when you're a fitness director of a large big box gym, my primary focus is sales. So it's all about sales, selling training, getting your trainers to sell more training, selling training myself, looking for promos, things that we can do to increase revenue primarily. Now there is a managerial aspect to it. I'm making sure that the, tr- the trainers are showing up to work and that they're delivering great sessions and that they're balancing out their schedules and not getting burnt out. Um, but I would say like the bigger portion of my job at one life in Kansas city was for sales here in at MFF, the bigger portion of my job is, is basically like, yes, I'm still looking to build revenue, particularly for our Bowery clubhouse, but it's really more about interpersonal relations and supporting the team. So I'm getting a lot more of like sitting down and chatting with, um, you know, with our trainers to help them feel supported, to make sure that they feel like they're getting everything that they need from their journey. And where, what are their dreams? What are their goals in the future? And how can I help support that? So it feels a lot more like um, a personal coach versus like somebody that's like selling, 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 like a true salesperson. So I feel that they're both challenging in different ways. um, And I like both, seats that I had. Um, I like this one a little bit more um, simply because I get to be around my theater friends, people that I worked with in the theater industry that are I'm working with again in a different capacity or I'm getting to see again. So that's been a really fantastic treat for me. But yeah, it's, it's different, challenging, fun, scary.
1: <laughs> By the way, you throw out theater casually. So this is one of the cool things as uh, a film nerd going into the Broadway gym. I did the air quotes, folks. The Broadway yeah. gym is like I have no, you know. I've seen now with Harry Potter. If I count Harry Potter both shows as two, I think I've seen six shows, maybe That's seven in my life. That's impressive. it.
0: That's I'm impressive. Mean. That's um,
1: impressive. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember Annie at all, but I know I saw Annie as a kid.
0: <laughs>
1: and then Rent, Oklahoma, School of Rock. Harry Potter, so it's less than that. I'm sorry, folks. I've seen some off-Broadway stuff, too, back when I was in film school, but not much. That's a um,
2: not for, for the average male. That's but not- folks,
1: would, folks would come up and be like, such and such is in your class. Broadway legend. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, like, you're a bit of a legend, too. I can't remember who was telling me about it. Like, you had, like, one hell of a run. Like, <laughs> tell the listeners a little bit of, like um, – some of the shows you were on? Because somebody was, like, very much like, she has, like, uh, had a very high-level career.
2: Um, thank you.
1: (laughs) I wish I could remember who who was talking to me about what you had done.
2: You know what's so crazy is, yes, I did have... I had an exceptional career that lasted a long time and had a lot of different, like, seats, like, you know, starting out as a ballet dancer, getting room to go into New York city ballet and then deciding somewhere around age 16. I was like, this isn't for me. I want to be like, I want to toss my hair around and be cool. So I went and auditioned for the Rockettes and got hired just out of like on a whim, which was crazy. And then from there, I was like, I don't like all this precision, like being like the girl next to me. I want to break out and be my own individual self. So I auditioned for Broadway and then got hired and ended up having a career on Broadway for like almost 25 years. It was a long time.
1: That's amazing.
2: Um, <laughs> I know. Whole other life. Um, but yeah, so I was really lucky. I was very, very lucky to um, kind of have the opportunity to do that. I'm a fifth generation performer. My mom was a Broadway dancer, um, her mother was a dancer in. Uh, England and actually owned a dance studio and hired the Beatles to play one of her performances. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I know, Before, like these young guys that were in this like band that was <laughs> sounding pretty cool. So yeah, just nuttiness. But um, that's
0: amazing.
2: I know. So yeah, I had a good. I had the good fortune of having a a, a nice lengthy Broadway career in like shows like Chicago and Spamalot and. Um, uh, I almost do, I forget, Uh, The Wild Party, On the Town, like just a whole bunch of of really cool musicals with great friends and cool choreographers. And I felt like lucky for every moment of it.
1: (laughs) It's amazing. And I'm laughing because as you're talking, listen for a moment.
2: Right. Oh, it's just a high whistle. Just a... (laughs)
1: <laughs> Hold on one second. I'm going to take the cone off of her head, uh, folks. That is the sound of a dog whose sedatives have not kicked in yet. Who's suffering from hip and knee surgery. Hold on one second. Um, so yeah, so to have that type of a run, I think one of the one of the coolest things that I found at MFF that was unexpected for me, because uh, I knew it was like a musical theater, you know, spot. But having a film background and having worked in an, as an assistant talent agent for a short period of time out of film school. You know, I was sending in casting breakdowns and stuff. You know, submitting actors, people out of school, seniors. I you know, did not know that. Yeah, for like uh, I want to say it was like I was at uh, the, I don't think the agency's around anymore, but it was HWA Talent Representatives, Harder Wu Associates. Oh, and, I know, not
0: totally know Harder Wu. Yeah, tell. so
1: I worked with uh, Bill Ayonone and, and Diana uh, Dussant for uh, for a little bit, and um, I found it really thrilling until I found it really uh, not great. Unthrilling. <laughs> uh, you know what it was here's the thing that I think you could probably appreciate this too. Um, there is an ego within the arts, any arts, right. Where, especially when there's like, uh, actors and I'm saying this as, as a director who took acting classes and worked with you know, a lot of directors in film school more than I did after film school. Uh, you know, there's like a lot of like, you're, you're, you're up for failure for a lot. Like there's a lot of shit you have to deal with, but it's easy to try to put on a false sense. So a lot of the times while I'm just trying to help people get a gig, I then have somebody like fresh out of school giving me shit as if you know because they're making eight, they're making scale plus ten for a week mm. or two weeks right so they're gonna have a nice two week paycheck so that gives them the ability to talk shit on the lowly assistant but that two week paycheck might be right. the only check they get that year which right. still puts them below what I make as a lo- you know what I mean like people don't look at frame of references that way right. um, I'll say it in my own case I think some people look at uh, train uh, coaches that travel and teach workshops as like, holy shit, they must be rolling in dough. And I'd be like, how many of us do you see that actually own a gym? Yeah, or, you it's, you know, like, it's like
2: low, like anything, you know, like you're up, you're down. So,
1: yes, yeah, so totally. So um, that was very stressful. And in a lot of like the high tension um, finger pointing when you're the lower person on the totem pole, like you clearly are the one that does the things wrong. <laughs> Not really, but you know. So yeah, that was it. So that what I was getting at was to suddenly be at MFF and meet folks like, uh, well, hear about you, meet folks like Wally Dunn and a lot of the actors that, uh, you know, um, you know, Mark's wife, Sheena, uh, Amy, um, that have succeeded. Like with all the odds against an actor, I would say, especially so in musical theater. Yeah. um, To break through and get consistent work is fucking like just so cool. <laughs> um, because the odds are against you to have that happen, and that was something that was really cool. And I know there were many other people that, like, you know, I, again, I don't know their names, but people would be like, "That
0: person's, I can't believe they're in class."
1: And um, Cynthia Nixon was in like I, I think I taught like three classes of Cynthia Nixon, and like for me, she was the woman on Sex in the City, but I didn't realize she's Broadway royalty too. Yeah, like, yeah, I is. just don't know any of that stuff. Um, which probably
0: you shows you wouldn't, because like, how would you, yeah.
1: Which was, like, good for me to not have that stress. But anyway, I just wanted to throw out that, like, how you casually, like, yeah, musical theater did it. And your brother is, like, long-time standing member of?
2: The Blue Man Group.
1: (laughs) Which is great. Yeah,
2: Uh, Yeah, he's one of, like, he's been in that show for, like, I think it's near 15 years now.
1: Well, how do you put up with it? it, I know there's a joy of performing live, but when something's so the same, does it drive people crazy?
2: oh my God, that's probably the hardest thing about performing is the monotony of it. You know, the same music, the same movements, the same costumes. And what I think the way that I would always try to, to get over that would to be just, I was always striving to do the perfect show. So I was like, I could never achieve it, but I would always strive for that. So it was something that I would challenge myself as like, let's do the perfect show today. It would never happen, but I'd always be striving for that. The other thing that I always think of, or I try to keep in the forefront of my mind is, this is the 200th or like with Chicago, I was in that show for seven years on and off, but not like, you know, it was a long time. Um, This might be like the 3000th time that I've done this, but this is the first time that that person is seeing it. So it's like brand new for them even though it's older for me. So I'd always try to like remember, all right, re- any first time I'd seen a show, like how special that was. And I would try to be that performer that was creating that first time experience for that individual.
1: I'll say as somebody who doesn't go often, going in to see Harry Potter, which we saw in January, um, you, you you forget how kind of amazing it is to go to into a really pretty theater. you know, it's not like a movie theater and the whole thing like it's a totally different energy and seeing live performances versus a movie although clearly like one of my one of my self-justifications for not going to more shows was like theater's so expensive and i'm not saying it's not worth it but for me to go to a show i'm a movie nerd i would rather see like that harry potter show for me and the kids i could probably see every movie i want to see for a year
2: at least. Um, it's such a huge barrier. That's been one of the conundrums about live theater for a long time is that it used to be very inexpensive to go see theater. And for various reasons, one of my biggest feelings about it is that theater, um, I, I didn't mean to cut you off by the way. Did I no, you? no, no, go. Um, theater used to be a lot more about imagination. So like you'd go and see a show and you see elements of scenic design, you'd see elements of lighting and you'd see actors that, you know, Nece- weren't necessarily famous. They were just really good at their craft. Um, so you'd get a much lower budget on a production because you weren't paying for this like amazing laser and this shit's flying from the ceiling and like this stuff's coming out and you got these costumes have diamonds on them. And I think because, of, and this is not like a slam against society. I understand I'm part of that society too. I like, to, you know, grow and evolve and change. But I think that producers now have to meet movie quality or like television quality productions for the audience to feel satisfied. They're coming, they want to see so much for their money and those elements are very expensive. And what ends up happening is the ticket, the ticket prices keep getting bumped up and up and up because the scenic elements and the stars, like, you know, it's starring like Tom Cruise, you know, like we have to get bigger stars, bigger scenery, bigger lighting effects to draw people in now. And it's unfortunate because what's happened is is now that you know it's five hundred dollars a seat to see something.
1: I would pay five hundred dollars to see Tom Cruise in Mission Possible, Mission Impossible the musical. Impossible. I would, but now let me ask. So this is, folks, we're having our first musical theater discussion on the Coach Fury podcast. Uh, yeah. So do you think that production value? And clearly, I could I could see that right. Like especially you go to Harry Potter, and there was literally an effect in that show that I had to Google how they did it because <laughs> as a former visual effects guy, I'm like, how are they doing this on a live show um do you think it became with competing with tv and film or do you think because so much material now is adapted from tv and film that like it had it had a a precedent already that it had to live up to
2: i think it's both i really think it's both i mean sometimes like i've seen shows where i've just been blown away like um by just the show itself, like for example, Hamilton is a perfect example of that. You know, Hamilton was not adapted from a film; it was an original piece. But we weren't like we were not being inundated with like scenic elements. We were being inundated with incredibly brilliant material. So I really do think that it depends. Like it really kind of depends. Like if people see the movie Spider-Man and then they bring it into a move into a Broadway house, like they're going to need to see like a guy swinging. <laughs> on a web you know they're gonna need that they're gonna need the movie
1: remember how many spider man kept getting hurt in the making of that i mean to laugh at it but like in terms of charging for those effects and i remember in what was it season one of, of, of Un- Un- unbreakable kimmy schmidt uh <laughs> isn't it what is it oh, titus is trying to uh, trying to audition for it
2: <laughs> oh my god yeah i had a i had a good friend in that show and there were many 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 bad bad things happening
1: yeah um Hamilton's one that I would love to see. And Hamilton was a wake-up call. I remember Jeff posted up in one of the Facebook groups, Jeff Hemingway, who's been on the show, um, like, that a friend had tickets for like one of Lynn's last performances before he was coming off the New York cast. And the ticket prices were something crazy, like 2000 a ticket or something. And I was like, is that really a thing? And apparently so. Um, and that was also the first time where I'm like, well, Lynn, his, Lynn and his wife have trained at MFF, I was like, how do we not have hookups? <laughs> I never got in. <laughs> no.
2: Sorry, yeah, those hookups, are, you have to get past the producers, I think.
1: Yeah, right? Um, anyway, one of the things I thought that was actually interesting, and this one uh, is a meandering conversation, folks, because uh, Jen and I have not spoken in a long time, <laughs> is uh, you mentioned the monotony of performing for a performance. Now, a show is usually like somewhere around three hours, right? Well, So, yeah. so, so say you have like two performances a day. How do you think it's different or is it different teaching a class that you might have to teach the same class four times in a day?
2: Yeah, that's such a, great, that's such a great comparison because I think you do definitely, like particularly in a situation where the class is pre-programmed and you don't have like, you know, the ability to like choose your own exercises or change things up. Um, I think again, like I use that same mentality of like trying to achieve the perfect class Like, there are certain things that I'm trying to do anytime I'm coaching anybody in fitness. That's make um, everybody in the class feel successful. I'm trying to make everybody in the class feel supported. I'm trying to deliver cues that are succinct, effective, um, and like, you know, interesting in the verbiage, like not giving you the same old, awesome, wow, that's a me. You know, like I'm trying to constantly like better my verbiage. So, there are, even though the structure of the class is the same and the material is the same, just like an audience, you know, in theater is different, the audience of your class is different every time. You're going to have new people in there, some of your same folks as well. And depending on the day, like, you know, one day somebody may have like incredible looking movement, and then like a week later, because they had a tough, shitty week or they had like, you know, something go down in their life, they're just kind of like, you know, like just trying to get through it. So, I like, adapting I like adapting and finding like creating the perfect class it's totally not it's you can't do it but if you always strive for it it's something to kind of keep it fresh and new
1: I would sometimes try to be like what did I not feel I nailed on the class before and then try to focus on that on the class coming up but it's also so interesting and I would imagine live theater is, is it's even more dramatically so that whatever energy you're getting from the audience or from the class members also feeds like you can have one of those moments where two hours back-to-back classes with only like a three minute crossover and you deliver one of those classes that you just know most of like 99% of that class just had the fucking best time of the year. And then the next class comes in and you're like, the, everything else is just like dropping bombs. like, Burr. Hold on one second. I just got to check on Mona.
0: Oh yeah. 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 Hey.
1: sorry I took the cone off for a second folks and Ramona went to town on herself if you know what I'm saying Uh, (laughs) like we all would if we could um (laughs) just threw that one in there (laughs) so uh (laughs) how has it been now with 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 interpersonal stuff being a little bit more of a priority now as the fitness director um where do you see things growing for MFF, like, uh, or for your role there at MFF? You mentioned building up Bowery, which has a special place in my heart since I was part of the launch staff there. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I actually, I just went real quick, I just thought about this too. We mentioned like you know, different personality, like the, how, the, how the class members bring to each class. The cool thing about the Bowery was the, the members brought their own, their own part of the culture and atmosphere to Bowery. Like Bowery had a very different, I don't know what it's like now. It's been a while. Totally different, totally it, it, it's different. Uh, uh, a bit more low key, um, uh, a bigger yeah. emphasis on actually doing the work, which is yeah. not to be dismissive of Hell's Kitchen. But sometimes that Hell's Kitchen one, it's like, it's the entertainment factor is way high.
2: Yeah.
1: Where, yeah. I, yeah.
2: You know, go ahead. Go
1: ahead. From there. No,
2: it's exactly, it's exactly that. It's still the same. You know, it's a much more. Um, I would say, diverse group of people that are down at the Bowery. A lot of them have never seen a Broadway show, don't care anything about a dildo or a disco ball. They just want to go in there. They want to get a good workout. You know, they want to, like, get better, get stronger. They have goals, you know, just like anywhere else. But, yeah, we're definitely much more cerebral group that's happening down at the Bowery. And at HK, it's just, you know again, serious crew. A lot of the folks at HK are just, it's it's not about not being devoted to fitness. I feel like it's the same. It's just a slightly different approach.
1: It's the delivery method or or, or the mindset.
2: Yeah. And my playlist, like for Hell's Kitchen will be like, you know, it's raining men followed by like, you know, um, one of RuPaul's songs followed by like, you know, a Britney Spears and like Christina Aguilera, like, jam session and down in the bowery like i find myself a little bit more classic rock there's a little bit more of like you know some like old like just like old standards in there like old so yeah the playlist like reflects of who's in the class i guess but yeah both of them are great but um just to answer your question about like growth um lots of things are happening and lots of growth that i see um happening First and foremost, um, we're changing around some class times. Adding ten thirty is at Hell's Kitchen. Um, it has never been on the schedule before. Adding two new classes to the schedule, completely brand new that have never been on before. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's like the first like order of business for Hell's Kitchen is just to like put some fresh paint on the walls and kind of just get like a renewed sense of um, of people checking back in and wanting to try some new stuff down in barry it's all about building connections with with local community developing relationships for business partnerships for the clubhouse a grassroots marketing campaign um getting some more like interest right up in the front so that people walking by in the street um can look in and see like a television that has like a you know basically like b-roll footage of like awesome things going on because I've been asking a lot of the ninjas, like, how did you find us? What brought you in here? I walked by. So I'm like, ah, okay. Well, there's a lot of people just walking by this place. And we need to create more flash so that it is more like, whoa, what's this? You know, right now we have super cool uh, window decals.
1: So you're saying that my window decal is coming down.
2: No, 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 The <laughs> window decal shall remain, but we're going to put in, like, mirror ball. We're going to do, like, just stuff that's, like, no, you got to, like, Fury holding up a, what are you holding? Like a strong man, like
1: Yeah, but it's like a, it was like a foam one. But that costume's my best life. Katrina yeah. Newman made it, and I fucking yeah, love it.
2: So special. Hold on, I hear, I hear a child.
1: Yeah, she's whining. She's like, just somebody's pay attention to me. Um, <laughs> I feel the same way sometimes. That's why I have a <laughs> I <know>. podcast.
0: <laughs> Somebody listen to me. I've got Human the- interaction.
1: Um. Well, no, I think it's really cool what you're doing. I, I know, I think when, we, when, when Bowery opened up, I, I don't know what we expected in terms of the initial rush, but clearly the build-out created a lot more problems than we'd expected to have, even though Mark and, and, and Michael are so good at even sort of pre-planning for disaster. Um, that build-out was really rough and, you know, hard to get the thing up. And then initially, you know, I know some most, most of the members were ninjas, That had just shifted from hell's kitchen over so that's obviously not necessarily building up but provides a foundation to build on so i'm I'm, you know it's a great spot in a a great part of town um especially if you need to get lamps because you're surrounded by lamp shops (laughs) but there's a lot of cool stuff around it 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 just has to get the people in front of it
2: yeah 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 it's yeah it's just about building awareness i mean just because you're successful in one area of town when you move to another, like, and people don't know who you are. You have to go through the same, like, local, grassroots level marketing, like literally like handing out passes on the street to get people aware that you're there and show them, you know, that, Hey, we we got, we got some cool stuff going on come check us out come you know come try out a class
0: uh, yeah. we're
2: also cr- I'm creating a community class that can come in without obstacles like without having to do an ninja baptism per se like just come in and try something oh, without that's any of that of yeah so it's like a bodyweight class you know maybe no kettlebells or anything but just like some really cool like fun exercises all like circuit party like let's just be crazy in here and just so you can try things out you know
1: that's super cool I know one of the things that I've been working on especially as we go to move into studio has been to just reaching out to local businesses and I think a lot of people forget to do that now because everyone thinks we live or die on a social media post but if you're a neighborhood facility it's your neighbors that are going to be the first and foremost um, and help get the word out and then go from there so that's been really Interesting. I thought I was doing a good job about doing it. And then I realized I wasn't. So I've been making active steps, but I'm also in that weird thing where there's a lot of things in play right now. And we move into this facility and well, it's not like we're moving in, but we start teaching classes in this place in three weeks. And I, I still have to make posters and stuff. Like,
0: What's the name of the studio?
1: Uh, Brooklyn center stage. And you know, the woman, Heidi, I have to look up her last name. She knew you. <sighs> um, I don't know if I have her name. Let me look it up really quick. But she, I I was like, oh, my friend Heidi Flanagan.
2: Oh yeah, totally know Heidi Flanagan. Yes.
1: So So her and uh, Val Wright are the two owners, and they're.
2: Valerie Wright. Yeah. I know Valerie like really well too.
1: Oh no way.
2: We're together. You have to tell her hello for me.
1: I will, and you'll have to come down and take a class.
2: Oh heck yeah, I will. Or come
1: out and hang out. and We'll get lunch, and you can bring Brooklyn.
2: That would be awesome. You would love it, right? (laughs)
1: Um, but yeah so they're super cool and it was again it's one of those things like sort of how I met you and and MFF it was one of those I had reached out about a year and a half ago uh, a a guy named John Birdman Finn Birdman's his nickname opened up or or moved into a new location for his jujitsu school and I was just like hey we should meet up and have coffee and it turned out we had a mutual friend and every now and then one of us hits up the other and we go get coffee we talk shop a little bit, and I went there to have a, like, you know, just to see what was going on and talk about doing some, like, offshoot, like, not like classes on the week, but maybe like a monthly class there. And we were talking about spaces and rentals. And he's just like, yeah, you really need to try to find, like, a, you know, something you can share. Yeah. And literally as I'm walking home, I passed the dance place, Brooklyn Center Stage, and I noticed that there's a lot of gaps on their schedule. They're
2: probably so grateful for that, too. Literally,
1: yeah, it's a really good combination. Um, The struggle was there's some stuff in the evenings, like I need more evening classes that they don't have spots because they're already booked up, Right. Um, but most of my classes were able to just go almost into specifically where I I already have them from here, and there'll be room to grow, So and they're going to let me keep my gear there. So I get to keep my stuff there. I get to have street exposure. I'll get to have posters on the on the windows. That's um, amazing. I'm, I'm I'm asking about a sandwich board, you know, to put out.
2: Wow. Uh, and you do is just going to draw in business for them too. So it'll uh, yeah,
1: and if, even if it doesn't bring new business to them, I think as much as I can grow, it'll you know it just creates that any like rent pressure. It's just like extra money on top of their rent that hasn't been used, right? right. So it's like if you have a space for rent and it's just vacant it's just lost potential income and as opposed to just doing like one or two dance classes or something or, or one-on-ones i'm looking to grow my business within there so it should help them out a lot i hope and they're just really cool uh, i had a really great conversation with them and got good vibe off of them so that's what's going on in our world and again like naming conventions to follow <laughs> uh, hey, since we've been having some uh, whiny dog issues and some Wi-Fi stuff, yeah. let's start to wrap this one up. Um, <laughs> we will need to hang out in person. I saw a diaper.
2: Yeah, there's a diaper. I think that diaper might need a. Yeah, definitely needs a change. But.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, there's this weird moment of wonder when you're just done with diapers, and then the I next know, big one's when you're you don't need to shower them anymore. Like That's it's so close. weird.
0: I know.
1: So weird. Like kids just go take a shower. Okay, don't have to do it. That's Sadie crazy. goes to school on her own now. That's freaking crazy.
0: How old is Sadie? Like
1: she's 12. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she's like, you know, it's not like a far commute, but she just either takes the bus or walks. She goes and meets her friends at Starbucks. Like, it's crazy. City kids. That
2: was a sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, City kids are. Thank you. That was I didn't
1: know if that was a sneeze or just Brooklyn had a really bad diaper. <laughs>
2: It was like, so, yeah, my allergies are like kicking up a notch Um, the spring.
1: Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. It was awesome catching up, even though we suck and didn't do it in person.
2: We will. <laughs> we'll
1: <do that> <laughs> and where can people find out more about you or about MFF? And I'll put it on the show notes.
2: Um, you can go to markfisherfitness.com. And that's all they need to know. They can just click on our website, stop by our clubhouse. Uh, we're located on 39th Street and 9th Avenue. Um, you come down to Bowery location, which is Bowery, just off of um, Houston Street. Um, yeah, check out our website. Just stop on in the clubhouse. We love visitors. Book a health and hotness strategy session that's going to help us learn more about you and, like, what your goals are and, like, help devise a plan. And we'll even, you'll even leave with a workout. So you like actually walk out of there with something that you can do. So like, there's no obligation. You don't have to buy anything. We'll send you on your way with a workout. So um, yeah, everybody wins.
1: Amazing. Sure. Hey, uh, thank you for taking the time to come and talk with me. Of course. Listeners like check out MFF. If you haven't been there, uh, it's worth it. Uh, I don't know if they allow drop-ins or anything anymore. If you're yeah, a we'll trainer.
0: That, but I, depends, but we're it's it depends. It's sort of like,
1: you gotta be like a friend, I think, or know somebody to get in. But uh, I just want to say you know, Yeah, Jen introduced me to MFF, but more importantly, she is one of the people, even though I haven't spoken in a while, that like I really respect in the field. When we were talking shop leading into that, and while she was in Kansas City and coming back, I just got a lot of love and respect for you, Jen. And uh,
2: uh, I as well. Uh, and, and
1: I guess it makes me even more sadder that we're talking and catching I up on know. But it's better than nothing.
2: It is better than nothing, and this is a catalyst for us to hang out really soon.
1: For real. I mean, on the bright side now, like my schedule at least is a little more in control to some weird degree
2: yeah mine too Um, it's a little crazy but it's still i still have like you know moments of freedom we'll make it happen yeah
1: all right later
2: see you later thank you bye
1: the coach fury podcast is created owned and produced by steve coach fury holliner for fury industries llc music provided by the ftw Visit FTW.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glengurrieta.com. That's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A. Or follow him on Instagram at Glenn Voice over by Laura Palmer.